Welcome to This Week in Mormons, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. I'm Jeff Openshaw, your founder and host. You know my voice well. You love me. That's right. Great show for you this week. Before we get to that, of course, just want to remind you to please leave us a review wherever you get podcasts. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to visit us over at thisweekinmormons.com where you can get links, show notes, blogs, all kinds of great content there that we produce for you. And I want to give a special shout out to our patrons over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash thisweekinmormons. Uh, what are our patrons, you might ask? They are the cool people who basically donate a couple of dollars a month to help us keep making this show. So I truly, deeply, I was going to say truly, madly, deeply, is that the old Savage Garden song? You know who you are. All right, folks. But seriously, patrons, thank you very much. You help make this show possible and uh, and keep it going. If you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash thisweekinmormons and you can do the same. Uh, this week's show is going to be terrific. I'm very happy to welcome back to the studio some some classic guests that we've had on before. Uh, Haley Smith, Lisa Valentine Clark from Once I Was Engaged, and also new to the show, Tanner Gilman, who is one of the stars of the movie. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> hey, it's great to have all of you here. Thanks so much for sitting down with us this week and talking about the movie. Uh, also, for uh, for Haley and Lisa, you now have the dubious honor of having three-peated on This Week in Mormons. So, bravo. I love it. Thank you. Well, Jeff, we like to come on here because no one ever asks us to talk together. Like, it's too much. Um, <laughs> so, we like that you will let us... Not both. here. Not here. Here, we can say... We, Lisa and I get to talk together, and we bring our friend. Exactly. We're not too much. We're just enough. Just barely, just barely. Uh, I'm thrilled, though, by the way, that everyone's here this time. Lisa's here. Everything's working. And if you listen to our old interview from six years ago, uh, from once I was a beehive. Yeah, yeah, six. Um, we had just a litany of technological problems. There are these entire stretches that I can't believe I left in where you hear Lisa and Haley just talking to themselves saying, can they hear me? What's going on? And we're just asking random questions. <laughs> and... Um, it's just kind of hilarious that that actually is the episode. So I'm fingers crossed things go awesome today. Very pumped up about this. And, and people were dropping off and dropping on. And uh, we're going to see how we do today. We're going to see how we do today. Either way, I'm very pumped mm -hmm. that everybody is here. Let's hope for the best, right? We'll see. Uh -huh. I love it. And also, of course, Tanner, it's very nice of you to hang out with us and put up with everything. Thank you. I'm really excited to watch Haley and Lisa yes and each other off a cliff. <laughs> That's part of, of any project with them. They don't, need, they don't even need permission. Well, in the sad event, our listeners are not familiar with any of you and the, the great resumes you have and all the wonderful things you've done. Maybe we could all go around, myself excluded, of course, but uh, introduce yourselves. Tell us about yourselves. Tell us how you've worked together. Let us know everything that makes you special. Maybe we'll start with Haley because she's in my upper left. Awesome. Well, I am Haley Smith and um, I am a producer of Once I Was Engaged and I play Holly Valentine in it, which was my character from the first movie. Um, basically, I just play um, Lisa or, well, Carrie Carrington's best friend, which it, it was tough. It was a stretch, right? Yeah, it was hard. I mean... Yeah. I don't know. We made it through. Like we're working on it. <laughs> but yeah. But um yeah, and then other than that, yeah, Lisa and I did show offs together on BYU TV and um 
yeah, we're just all a big BYU TV family tonight, but I will let the oh, others. Oh, oh, hold on a second. You've just spoken show-offs in the, the past tense. Is there uh Oh. I mean, is it, uh, t- is it still a t- thing? TBD. We, d- we don't, we have not heard. Okay. We have not heard. We are not giving up. All right. All right. Just wanted to know because if something happened, I might be a little sad about it. Okay. Oh, hello. I, I am Tanner Gilman, um, star of BYTV's uh, hit sketch comedy show, Show Offs. Um, I've really enjoyed my time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, known for my role on Not Cinderella's Type yes. and Once I Beehive 2 Be Harder. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm Tanner. Uh, I'm on Studio C. I, I do the BYU TV stuff with these these scallywags. At least I can see Lisa and the screen just slowly shaking her head at 90% of the things that I say. And we're five minutes into this, so this is a good start. Um, uh, you asked us for our relations. Um, these are my moms. Uh, they dubbed themselves that when we were in Hawaii, and they were regularly checking to see if I ate and slept at regular. Ate and slept. Ate and slept. Um, eat and slept at regular hours. Um, he and he yeah, didn't. They, I, I don't. I think that they, they literally adopted me. Yeah. All the paperwork it takes to adopt a 25-year-old man they went through, and I just really appreciate being invited into the family like this. So, Thank you, Lisa, for, story. for that. My turn. I'm Lisa Valentine Clark. I'm Tanner's mother and Lisa's <laughs> best friend. And I also act in Once I Was Engaged. I play Carrie Carrington, and I'm a producer on the movie, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Now, Lisa, you also host a show on BYU Radio. Is that correct? Yeah, the the Lisa Show on BYU Radio. And what is the Lisa Show exactly? I mean, what does it entail, subject matter wise? And is it a daily drive kind of thing? Yeah, it's a morning radio show um, that you can get at eight a.m. Eastern, five a.m. Pacific, Monday through Friday, and um, we entertain and inform and inspire how to kind of like live your best life. We talk about things like self-care and relationships and movies that are coming out and and streaming services and just how to, whatever you're worried about or thinking about, we're going to talk about and, and laugh and uh, have a good time. And I co-host it with Richie T. Um, it's a lot of fun and I love it. It's so fun. Ah, uh, yes. I, I was about to ask you and not to lead into anything too potentially negative. Now is the time on the air, if you would, to really... Tell the world, what do you really think about Richie T? Because see, he and I have kind of a uh, a blood feud, oh. if you will. Oh. Oh. Yes, it's what gone happened? that far. So what happened? Richie T exists, Lisa. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he does listen to our superior product. So I'm mostly bringing it up here because I think he'll get a kick out of me bashing him you know, love that. on the air. That's half the fun. That's what we do. That's who we are. Richie is so him in on this movie to come and play with us, but he was busy with other projects, but he is so fun and so funny um, to talk with. We have a really good time and he's a really great radio producer. Holy cow. He's very good at his job. So he makes my life a lot easier. Uh, okay. But you're not really uh, using so the, the adjectives I was aiming for at least. Don't talk to Richie T like that. 
So it's been six years since Once I Was a Beehive came out, and I think a lot of us really enjoyed that movie. It subverted expectations in many ways, and I think it also spoke to, uh, in many ways to the sort of the power of women, right? It was a very female-centric movie, and that was that was great. In 2015, that was that was something more novel, I guess we could say. And now we fast forward six years. We have these same characters, and there's a bit of focus on different characters, of course, this time around. But how did how did you go about getting a sequel? Was this always something planned, something hoped for? And what took us down the route of going into uh, engagement instead? Well, we talked about a sequel for actually quite a bit after Beehive. Um, and at first, we were kind of thinking along the lines of like Trek. And then someone made a movie called Trek. <laughs> And, I saw that one too. That okay. was, uh, that was I didn't. I didn't see it, but we were like, okay, we, we won't do that. That's been done. Um, which I, in hindsight, I was kind of relieved because I've never actually been on trek. So I would have had to do some, I don't know, trekking. And I don't know it. Do we, I don't know. I, I've never, I, I can't get really hyped about trek because I'm not really familiar with the life changing experience of trek. <laughs> but um, we, yeah. And then, we Deseret Book was really interested in us kind of <clears throat> maybe, you know, bringing the gang back together again. And so kind of McLean started um, tooling around with the idea of just kind of um, playing with that genre of, you know, weddings and kind of a mashup between my father or father of the bride and my big fat Greek wedding. Like it set in an LDS community. Okay. I guess that's an interesting way to look at it. It might be a Greek wedding. Uh, Tanner, where did you become involved in all of this? I mean, you're you're one of the newer parts of the team, so to speak. Tell us about your experience. Um, I, I think it was around the the fifth time McLean contacted me for the role that I finally said yes. Um, he reached out to me initially. I, I was out um, doing a project for, I don't remember if it was Disney or, but no, um, I- uh, You're in the MCU. <laughs> I just have a chair thrown at my head. Um, no, it was, um, I actually like, it's a weird thing. My first exposure to the, the OG beehive movie, I was in a, a UVU, uh, film studies class, uh, Utah Valley university. Cause I didn't have the grades or righteousness GPA to get into BYU. Um, and my professor actually had said, no, this is true. This is, this is a real thing. My professor said, um, he was, talking about this movie that had came out and he kind of had this kind of, you know, I think a widely sort of kind of lukewarm view of, you know, locally made movies. And he said, Hey, this, once I was a beehive movie, he's like, it's actually a very good kind of nuanced take on religion. And kind of like you said, like, like friendship and sort of not, not your, like what you expect from something that's, you know, usually packaged this way. So that was kind of my first exposure is this guy was like, it's actually, it's a movie that uses um, uh, like being LDS and growing up Mormon as a jumping off point, but that's not what the, you know, the quote unquote story is about. So yeah. Um, a few years later, they, they sent out a, uh, I'm a friend of um, a friend of McLean's sent me a text and he was like, Hey, they're auditioning a sequel to this movie. Would you want to kind of go for it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I did. And McLean, called me a couple days after I sent my audition in. He said, Hey, um, you know, we, we like your read. Uh, are you interested in sort of just kind of accepting this role? We leave for Hawaii in a week and a half, uh, get shredded because you're running on the beach shirtless Baywatch. And I said, word. And I ate chicken and rice for two weeks and pumped iron 
and nothing changed in my physique. <laughs> That's the end. And Lisa and Haley have heard that story 136 <laughs> times because I'm so ashamed. No, I, I am going to say, every time. I'm going to give a compliment to Tanner though, because when I first read the script, I was like, I, I'm like, it is going to be impossible to cast. Um, this character. I don't know, just because... No one is this charming or this good-looking. Yeah, the, no like, one is this perfect. <laughs> like, they don't exist. No, but really, it, like, I knew that the the, the performance ha- did have to be, like, nuanced and just, you know, like, and also, he, you know, is just a great guy. And I will say, like, I saw Tanner's audition tape and, like, within... I think 20 seconds, I texted him at I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is who's in your head. Oh, perfect. Great. Is he available? <laughs> so that was that was a great. Um, we were really lucky to get him. I actually Claire, um, who who plays uh, Brie, you know, McLean's the director's wife. Uh, we actually met briefly. She was on a different set. And this is maybe uh, like maybe a compliment because, yeah, he's a very nuanced character. She saw me interact um, with someone I was dating at the time, and she went home and immediately was like, I found our guy. Our fa- <laughs> I found our BYU trophy d- husband. And I was like, you knew that early on? <laughs> like, that's, tr- that's worrisome to me that you just saw me interact with a different human being out of context. And we're like, that's our dude, bro. That's our vivid. That's, our vivid. So like, that's him. He's going to do great. <laughs> I also did not know that Claire is McLean's wife. I know, I know, I know, I know. But uh, everyone's looking at me like I should know things. I don't know these things. Anyway, uh, Tanner, your shirtless scene was beautiful. And if I'm also not mistaken, does McLean have a cameo in this film uh, on the beach? A little one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he was he was glistening. Yeah, look look for that. Absolutely, <laughs> for that. he was. And that's but. One of many. I mean, there are a number of cameos in this film, and I admit there's tons of them. Like, I probably just don't even totally understand. I can tell. I watch the scene. I say, oh, it's a cameo. It's somebody more famous in in Utah or LDS circles. I have no idea. But there are some great cameos in this film. There's one in particular that I'm not going to give away or anything, but I just want to say, like, well done on that. That was was legit. You guys won the day uh, pulling that one off. Good. So we're speaking a lot, of course, about Latter-day Saint cinema. And how do you, all of you feel about Latter-day Saint cinema, about the state of Latter-day Saint cinema? And I'm obvi- obviously, if we don't uh, patron it, we can't make more of it. But how do you feel the market is how do you, compared to where it's been? How do you feel about where it's going? I think it's at an exciting sort of time because we tell our own stories, Right our specific stories. And so I think we're all very supportive of each other in just trying it. You know, there's a, there's so many different stories to tell. We there's, we haven't even scratched the surface of the kinds of movies that we should be telling and the kinds of, of characters that we should be bringing to life. And so for me, it's very, very, I'm a cheerleader for the genre, right? I know that there's a lot of naysayers. They're like, this isn't like Marvel. This isn't going to win an Academy <laughs> Award. And I'm not on that camp. I'm on the camp. Uh, oh, yeah, like Martin Scorsese. I'm like, you guys, we are like a baby religion and we're making huge impact. <laughs> we have a different perspective than anyone else. Like, 
let us just learn and grow and just keep having fun and creating art. So I love it. I love all of it. I, uh, no, I, 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 I hear here to what Lisa just said. I also think it's, um, there's kind of been this increase in, I think this has been touched on earlier and I kind of said something similar. Um, just, yeah, like, like we have so many idiosyncrasies, you know, whether you're LDS or not, or if you live in a community where you're familiar with that, there are so many kind of isms that I think are like, I, I don't think any group of people loves laughing at, the, at themselves more than Mormons or the artist formerly known as Mormon. I know I'm not allowed to say the, the shortened version. It's okay. This is kind of a safe space. I mean, you know, the name of the show for the past three years here has remained unchanged. Yeah. No, I, um, but yeah, I think that, and once again, I, I think this is kind of the strength and I, and I'm not just saying this, the strength in McLean's writing, um, and kind of a lot of the stuff that, uh, he, he deals with. I mean, I remember he's one of the leads in the Saratov approach. The thing I like about a lot of these, um, kind of more recent movies is that, yeah, it, it's, it's, it can be accessed by, you know, any, anyone who wants an uplifting experience. It's not just, okay, you will not be able to grapple with this unless you are A, B, and C. I mean, I, I remember watching the Saratov approach and two of my roommates, they were in LDS, they were guys, you know, from out of town and they were like, oh, it was like a really good uplifting movie about like getting out of a sticky situation. And it was very intense. And, you know, same with, yeah, like I said, my film professor who liked Beehive, he was very like, yeah, this is not something that like, there, there's, I mean, it's, it's the way that Fiddler on the Roof involves Judaism, but you don't have to be a Jew to enjoy it. I think, like, I think that, yeah, I think LDS filmmaking is headed in that direction where it's filmmakers that happen to be LDS and look at the world through that lens versus being like, all right, boys, let's get our numbers up. Once I was a beehive 12, you know, like it's, it's not about that. It's about, yeah, just, just the way that you view the world. And I think a lot of people, you know, who yeah, are LDS or Mormon or, or raised in that um, setting really view it a certain way. So, And do you think that more nuanced, balanced approach works better for LDS cinema in particular? Because I feel like Beehive, you know, in this film, there, there are some loving nods to aspects of our culture, but I wouldn't say it's a full-blown send-up like some of, say, the Hailstorm films from like 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And, and those are very much lampooning the yeah. whole thing. I think this tries to be a little bit more delicate in that se- in that sense. Like there's there's one line that says something like, uh, "Was I put my best Martinellis on ice?" <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite line of the whole movie. That's my favorite line. And that's just like that killed me. Like it's funny. It's funny to me as a Latter Day Saint, but I think people watching this from the outside, at least with a cursory knowledge of Mormonism and you know that we don't drink alcohol, things like that, could get why that's why that's kind of funny. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think, well, if we've learned anything from like the past general conference, for example, we have spent so many years just kind of being so just kind of enclosed or inclusive or or exclusive, I guess, with just like kind of um, the culture and the people that are just like within maybe one area or a little bit larger. And so I felt like they were kind of trying to tell us, you know, no, look around, like this is a worldwide church and there are people with different experiences. And so I think same thing with filmmaking when it's more nuanced and not everything on the nose or everything directly tying back to what happens maybe in Utah culture, um, then we we can open it up to more viewers and not just LDS viewers. But even among our own members, there are those who won't get a lot of those 
just really cultural references. And you know, it's funny because like earlier you mentioned my big fat Greek wedding and as I've been sitting here thinking about that a little bit, uh, I do see a lot of parallels to what we're doing in Latter-day Saint cinema, but you take a movie like that where, where a huge part of the film is all about Greek identity and a lot of that involves being Greek Orthodox and how the, the main character, the main male lead has to weigh whether or not to convert to the Greek Orthodox Church in order to marry his love. And we don't think much about that as lay viewers. And that movie, I, I say in that sense, it's, it deals much more overtly with religious themes than something like Once I Was Engaged. And so it's kind of easy to see how there's a something of a double standard there where, where people expect certain things of uh, Latter-day Saint cinema where people would say, you know, we're too preachy or it's not well enough made or any number of things. When at the same time, we're dealing with with messaging that's perhaps just as universal uh, and just as accessible. I mean, you can understand the Latter-day Saints care about the temple. That's, of course, in, in this film. But I think that doesn't dilute uh, what you can watch. And it plays well off of, you know, the whole the whole notion of what happened in Once I Was a Beehive. Because the lead, of course, is not a member of the church. She makes plenty of friends. And, you know, this makes me think of the end of the film. I don't know. Can I spoil Once I Was a Beehive uh, six years later? Is that a thing we can do? It's... Haley has she almost said yes, then she shook her head no. No, <laughs> no it's, yes it's, it's been it's been long enough. It's been long enough. Okay, I'm just saying I feel like it's been long enough. And that movie, I'm not trying to pat everyone's backs or anything like that. But when I first saw it, the thing I loved is the end result is not that like this girl who's not a member of the church has all these powerful experiences, and of course she develops a testimony of the gospel, and of course she wants to talk to the missionaries and she joins the church. Like that's not the end message. In that film, I mean, that film really leans on the idea that this this girl can come to appreciate having Latter-day Saint friends as they appreciate her. And I think that's a good message that we can get out there a bit more in, in what we produce in our cinema and also just at a cultural level. Like not everything has to always be about whether or not the person joins the church. Yeah. All right. So switching gears a little bit, uh, <laughs> the character of, of Carrie Carrington, she's a she's a force of nature. Right, and if memory serves, I think she's it's, she's amped up a bit more, maybe to eleven, uh, even compared to the previous film. And if you'll forgive me, when I, as I watched the the newer movie, I couldn't help but think about the character of Beverly Goldberg uh, from the Goldbergs. I told you that. Even have her hair, I think. Yeah, I got some some major vibes. So, so Lisa, did you have a role in shaping the character of Carrie Carrington in general? I would just love to hear about her genesis, what your experiences were uh, in creating that character. Well. Thank you, first of all, for the Beverly Goldberg shout out, because that's a huge compliment to me. I'm trying to get on the show. I want to be, I want to play her sister, but anyway, I digress. Um, I love- That'd be awesome. Haley created this character and gave me this gift of Carrie Carrington, who I love so much. And- Oh, this is is like an Oscar speech. No, it really is. (laughs) Is she me? Maybe. I always like to tell people that I really, when I'm thinking about her, she's so easy to play because I'm really sort of channeling um, my little sister, Gina, who thinks like Carrie Carrington and which is a compliment. A lot of people think, Oh, I'm just teasing. But like, I remember when we had the idea for once I was a beehive and I, I was talking to my sister, Gina, and I was like trying to tell her the concept of it. And I said, and then I would play, a young woman's president who's like super intense. And she's like, well, if you're planning camp, you have to have a binder. Did you have a binder? Do you want to buy our mine? And I was like, actually the first scene <laughs> in that when we introduce 
Carrie Carrington, she shows the binder and she was like, well, good. That's right. Did you want to borrow mine? Cause then you wouldn't have to make one. Like she's already thinking about like how she could help with props and art and direction. Like it's, which is such a Carrie Carrington thing. And true story. When we, we were doing this photo shoot for um, the promos for once I was engaged before we started shooting, and McLean was like, oh my gosh, you got to find a mother bride dress. And I couldn't find one anywhere that was just quite right or that fit or anything. So I thought, what would Carrie Carrington do? And I called my sister, Tina, and I said, okay, here's the situation, and I need a mother bride. And she's just like, I got exactly what you need. And everything that I'm wearing, the dress, the necklace, everything came from my sister, Gina, in her closet. So I feel pretty happy. <laughs> Gina. Good Check. job, Gina. Yeah. We love she, Gina. We love she's like, Gina. I don't know. I don't think I'm that intense, but whatever. It's a compliment. <laughs> um, as far as I love it. Character, Gina's like my favorite, so she's great. It's amazing. But so I, I love doing it, and I do feel like she just sort of gets bigger and bigger because everyone knows a Carrie Carrington. Everyone does. And you know what? We're all better off for it, too. I need to move to Utah, uh, apparently. Uh, where I can see more Carrie uh, Carrington. <laughs> I, I just don't feel like we have these on the East Coast. I mean, I gotta. I don't know. I think I'm missing out. Well, here's the thing. I get, you know, Haley and I will say to each other and to ourselves a lot. You know, we're not for everyone, right? Because we're, you know, I'm kind of a lot, and I get it. I'm not for everyone. But when I play Carrie Carrington, it's like I can just be me. I can be free. I can, you know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly, like I, I don't like holding back to be socially appropriate. So I love <laughs> Yeah, I would love to bring all three of you to my uh, ward council meetings. I think that would be a oh, good we'll uh, shot uh, in the arm. I think we, we could get some good things done. We, I don't know. We would get you some done. We'd really shock them a little bit. <laughs> you should ask my bishop because I go to those ward councils because I'm a young woman's president and I don't know if he thinks it's so great. Bless his heart. I will say uh, along the... Um, as far as Lisa's character goes, and this, I think this is uh, something um, involving the, the movie as well. Claire and her, Claire who plays the lead and Lisa really kind of carry this movie. It was her, um, her character in this is the first five minutes of her introduction with the, yeah, with the pamphlet and beehive, but just swung over the course of two hours. So it's very, I mean, I don't know if I'm at liberty to share this, but I was doing, uh, we had to record some extra stuff and I went into a session with the director and he goes, I legitimately think this one is funnier than the first one. He was like, there, it really is like a like a, a laugh a minute situation. Like it's, he showed me a little chunk and it's consistently hysterical because Lisa and Claire carry this whole movie and similar to it being an engagement story and a romance story, Lisa, you know, I'm just doing it so you can give me street cred and I can climb the ladder to fame at some point. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I think one of the, the things that really bolsters this is it's really more a, a story about a mother and a daughter, you know, a mother, I mean, a, a daughter and her parents sort of going through this journey together. I think that's something that's, you know, a, being engaged and being, you know, in, in that stage that a lot of people don't pay attention to. It's, yeah, it's about the romance, but more so it's about, you know, this mom trying to make the best experience she can for her kid. And th those to me, genuinely, th those to me are some of my favorite scenes are just these two interacting and playing off of each Aww. other. That's, the other, that's not really, that's the other angle of, you know, 
being engaged and being in that process is, you know, the mother and daughter for the most part uh, building it. And I think that's like where the heart of the movie actually is. I just show up to, uh, you know, make it pretty, but it's really them that are kind of carrying it. Yes. Majority. All right. So uh, Tanner, I just want to, um, well, well, your character's name. Can you please tell us what your character's name is? Cause I just want to make sure I get it down for posterity. Um, his name is Tice. It's, Short for thistle, so it's spelled <laughs> No, I went real in that canon. That's canon now. That's what it's short for. Tice. Spelled. So in in my so yeah, it's Tice spelled T H Y S, which yes. I think is a joke about Mormon spelling because that's the, my assumption. Yeah, there, there's there's three different girls with an, a variation of Mikkel or Michaela with like twenty seven CKs in there. <laughs> When I did the audition, I had my sister read off camera for me, and I think she called it this in the audition <laughs> a couple times. And she was like, this, I just don't know, blah, blah, blah. And the quaint called me, and he was like, by the way, it's tight. Because <laughs> 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 that's way better. So, yeah, it's Tice. Tice Chesterfield. And what appealed to you about the character of Tice uh, Chesterfield? I got to run on the beach with my shirt off. No, um, I uh, I don't know. I, I think um, something that was done well in the writing, Sam is the first one, is he, it does, this is such a dumb, pretentious actor thing, but like, like, he is like somewhat nuanced and feels like a real person, you know, and that was really interesting. I mean, the, the project itself was a blast. Everyone involved was awesome. But yeah, I think that's why kind of go into our earlier conversation about why these feel more grounded and kind of, you know, using being LDS as a story versus yeah, lampooning it, as you said, is that all the characters do feel very genuine. Uh, You know, yeah, we all know Holly Valentine. We all know Carrie Carrington and I know 27 Tices and they're all the guys that I went to school with. I actually, all the summer sales guys, right? Oh, I I actually modeled it. I modeled it after my best friend, Tyler, He's got a heart of gold, and I'll be danged if he isn't the dutiest dude bro, whoever dude broed <laughs> on the planet. Nice guy, but yeah, definitely fits into that category. And just, yeah, he felt like a person, so that was really fun. Now, speaking of other characters that are in the film uh, this time around, we get to see a little bit more about Carrie Carrington's family yeah. than in the last film. And I don't know, I just, I just fell in love with Bart Johnson. In no, this I am not. He's adorable. He's just like a bear, and you just you just want to be held by the bear. Uh, but anyway, I noticed like a lot of Johnsons in the credits. For example, I, I don't know if there were familial relations there or not. But how was it building out the Carrie Carrington household and the effort involved in all of that? No, it was really fun. As far as as Bart, you know, he's been a good friend of 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 McLean's for a really long time, and. Um, his brother is actually in Beehive. So it, it's sort of like yeah, a, a lot of family, like, you know, connections that way. And and he just came in and he's just such a great actor and such a professional. And it was so great and came in. And actually his two sons play our sons and my daughter plays our our daughter. So it got to be like real family, you know, connections as we merged 
you know, the families for the, oh, wow. for the movie, yeah, yeah. which made it so fun because we were just teasing each other and we already had that sort of camaraderie with that. And he's such a professional, he's such a great actor and also just a nice guy. So it just made everything, you know, coming into being the new character and the new actor, you know, in this set that, you know, we've all worked together forever, just it made it so easy, um, you know, really, really great to work with. So fun. And is his wife then a redhead too? Because those kids have like flaming hair. Don't you know who his wife is? She's rad too. And she was on set. Yes, she is Robin Lively. She's um, a teen witch. Oh, I'm sorry. So like the Robin Lively. Yeah, teen witch. All kinds of other things. She was in on 30 Rock at one yeah, point. She's great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was so, yeah. Yeah, from Doogie Hauser. Oh man, Teen Witch is, that's a beloved film. Uh, in the open shot household. I mean, you want to talk about some of the classics. Basically, you you got Teen Witch, you got Better Off Dead, and you've got Rad. Yeah. I mean, what else do you yeah. need? Really? Um, yeah. Or Breakin' Electric Boogaloo. Oh, of course. And two. I mean, definitely <laughs> definitely not one. And two. And I believe Bart Johnson's not the only one with uh, family involved. Haley, your, your daughter is in this, correct? And as just, just as she was in the first one. Yes, uh, Mila Smith is Phoebe plays Phoebe Valentine, and she comes back to play or to recur her role in this movie when she was on break from being pre med at NYU. <laughs> so she's yeah, she's a very not ambitious actor, but we were lucky to have her back. <laughs> but she wants to be a neuroscience, whatever. Like, yeah, she's like, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon, but I guess I'll be on a, my second movie poster. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. So, like, was Hawaii always in the mix of this? I, I guess the cynical part of me or whatever it's, sees that it's in Hawaii and wonders if this was like the Adam Sandler approach uh, to things, basically an excuse for a quasi-paid vacation where you can hang out with some of your friends. Um, and it's also a big jump. I mean, so how did you wind up actually shooting in Hawaii? You know, when I first <laughs> read the script and saw that it was in Hawaii, I went, okay, McLean, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> We're like, he wants to go to Hawaii. Make and I, and then once we went, I was like, oh yeah, I get it. I never want to leave this place. I mean, it, yeah, no, he just thought it would be fun to kind of give the whole experience that extra like movie feel to set it in this beautiful yeah. place. And I think, I mean, our Hawaii footage is stunning. I mean, it, it was just beautiful. It, I mean, and it looks great. And I, I hope everyone, you know, is excited to, and everyone yeah. there was so great. Everyone, all of our Hawaii crew and cast that worked with us. I mean, it was just so fun to, to film there and to have everyone be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how was that uh, filming at BYU Hawaii at the PCC? You know, getting their cooperation and just just working through all of that. It well, was, was kind of hard crazy. because of COVID, and there was nobody there, so it was like we had to really hustle. Yeah, that actually supportive and encouraging, but yeah, PCC. When we went there, that place had been closed for a year, and it looked like like the like um. Jurassic Park or something, you know, it was just like, we walked in there and it's like all overgrown. And there's like, I, I, I mean, I just expected like a, a velociraptor to come out. I mean, there's just like dust and like, I'm like, no one had been there for, it was very, a little bit unsettling, but it was very cool because we were able to use all those facilities and 
was very fun. So like the whole thing is shut down. I mean, were you having to like call in all the performers of the PCC? You know, there, you know, there's there's dinners, there's shows, there's all these things, but none of that was going on at the time being. So was this all sort of just special use of everyone's time to make these scenes happen? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a, a, a special accommodations and it just wouldn't have been the same without it. So like, we're so happy that it worked out. It was and really actually- like touch and go. Yeah, actually, we, I mean, we always have little miracles when we're filming. That was one of our big miracles. Um, The night we filmed at PCC, it was actually the last night of our filming in Hawaii. We had these dancers and they were amazing, talented. And we found out 20 minutes before, beforehand, they said, we have to leave in 20 minutes. They said, like, we have a heart out in 20 minutes. And we did not know this until right then. Um, And so we, and we still had to shoot them. Like we had, we had shot all the reverse, all the audience. And we got, I mean, everything, everyone came together and we shot all of their footage in 20 minutes, which I, I don't Get know. Out. That to, whole sequence. I don't know how to explain that to people, they but that like, is impossible. Yeah, with the fire and the, like, everything. The whole thing. Everything. I just think. I mean, I feel like, I, did, you, did you do the whole thing and then one take? I mean, just, just to reset we, would take like 20 We minutes. did it in like a couple takes. It was crazy but yeah we we were very fortunate to have that <laughs> one thing that i remember uh from our previous interview about once i was a beehive is you talked about how you collected thousands of stories amalgamated them and and turned them into the film was there anything similar in that sense going on here with once i was engaged or was this more of a straightforward narrative you know adam mcclain's head written down on a script to then make into a film yeah, it's for sure a familiar story. I think Haley can speak more more to that, though. Well, I think really it came mostly just out of a like love for the for the characters and um, these two characters, and to kind of like just explore kind of like what, how we already talked about that like that mother daughter relationship, and to kind of use that as the jumping off point for sure. I mean, we have all you know heard different stories about engagements and and LDS weddings and and you know and they they people are I mean it's changed so so much since I had an LDS wedding so um yeah we had to kind of pull from different things but I think um what I love when I watch the movie um is just because I relate to it because it just the feelings of a mom like going through all this and I've had friends that have had daughters get married and it's just such a different experience uh, to be on that side of it than to be the bridezilla or whatever. Not, you know, not that, you know, not that Brie was that, <laughs> not that any of us were that, but you know, just, I just feel like that's such a selfish time of life. And then to be on the other side of you watching it and be like, Oh my gosh, like it's a lot. <laughs> Without giving away, you know, any spoilers for the, you know, what all the things that happen. I mean, these are all things that happen in, in engagements. Like we felt really confident that none of this is like, what? That's crazy. Just like beehive. All of the things that happened are, are things that have, we know have happened. So we don't try to, it's not too far out of the realm of, of possibilities, which I think is fun to sort of play around in that genre for. So. Also, when we spoke about Once I Was a Beehive uh, those many years ago, there's a scene 
And maybe you were kind of joking about it, but there's a scene where the bishop uh, is present at the girls' camp, and he basically just kind of zips himself up into his tent and isn't really seen from much more in the film, right? Um, And you seem to kind of say that the reason you even had a bishopric character at the time was so that people did not complain that there was no priesthood leadership present at girls' camp uh, or something along those lines. But this new film, it's a little bit different. You know, you still have female leads, of course, but we bring men into the equation. We've got Carrie Carrington's husband, of course. You have the character of of Tice. Um, did you feel like with it not being as straight-ahead female-centric of a movie and having most of the entire cast yeah. more or less strictly female, did it, did it take away from the specialness of the experience in any way? Did it detract from what you experienced six years ago when you made the last film? Or was it largely similar and wonderful in its own way? Yeah, I just don't think we see a lot of mother-daughter stories. And so I, so I loved that. And I love that we could explore that relationship, sort of the love and the tension and the trying to understand and the different generations. And then, you know, I think something new that we've also explored in this movie is like the husband and wife relationship, you know, that Carrie and her husband have, and the sort of the love and the tension that comes in that relationship during stressful situations and, and kind, but knowing that they've got each other's back and that kind of stuff. And so I like that. And I hope you'll forgive me for saying so. But one thing I, I really enjoyed in the film uh, was sort of the hints at innuendo that I did not expect to get in the film. It just, there was nothing, you know, tawdry about it, but it just seemed like it was kind of in a normal marriage way. I was going to say, it's a normal marriage way. So yeah, we wanted it to be realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. And that was, that was cool. And that was unexpected, I think, within our, our Latter-day Saint genre, more or less. Uh, by the way, Haley dropped off everybody. I forgot she had a previous appointment that I completely blew off uh, as we were making this. And Tanner's sort of here, sort of not. Are you there, Tanner? So I don't really know what's going on at this point. But the beauty is we've kept up our tradition of... I'm Anytime sorry. I speak to BYU TV people, things happen. That's the beauty. Uh, given that you filmed this during the pandemic, though, did did COVID have any uh, negative impact on uh, on the production in one form or another? Yeah, we had, we had to delay a couple of days, and it was really rough. And because uh, we thought, how long? What's going to happen? But we got everybody tested again. I mean, McLean took a really he was a really good perspective of it, of we've got to be safe and be tested every day and, and follow protocol, all of those things. And so we did have to delay a little bit, but when we all tested negative and we were able to go to Hawaii and kind of stay together and just stay healthy, it felt like, I mean, we hadn't been around people for a really long time. And so it was so like, just joyous. You know, we were so happy to be around each other. It was really sweet. Lisa, did you have any uh, major experiences that stood out to you during the production of this? Any great stories uh, you would want to share with us? Oh, I just think, you know, being with everybody was my favorite. I mean, every day when we would wake up and I think, what scene am I going to do? And I'd be like, I'm so excited to see this scene. I'm so excited. Like, oh no, this is the best one. And then the next day, get up and do it again. Oh no, this one is the best one. I can't wait. I mean, it just felt like a gift after a gift after a gift. And and, and if I can get a little bit 
like personal, my, this movie will always be like in my heart a hundred percent because I mean, this came, um, months after my husband passed away and I was not in a good place. And I, I wasn't sure that I could act again or especially do this role or, and, um, yet I knew it would probably be good for me and I probably should. And so I felt very torn about the whole thing and it ended up being like the best thing for me and exactly what I needed just to be surrounded by friends and, and to be supported that way. So, um, every, they couldn't have been, the casting crew couldn't have been better and kinder. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that and for your candor with everybody. I can't imagine what it was like to go through all of that. And I'm glad the making of the film helped, helped pull you out of a difficult time in one way or another. Is this going to be it for the once I was a universe? I mean, what defines success for this? What helps us get another sequel? What do we have to do? I want to live in this world forever. So <laughs> I, so I really hope that audiences enjoy it, that we make them laugh, that they're entertained, that they're charmed by it, whatever, just so that we can all get together and, and create more. That That's how I feel. So I just feel like it's the biggest, like, just joy. And what would a sequel be? I mean, there are no, no spoilers or anything if there's anything in the works, but come on. Like, do you have any ideas you can oh, share with us? We kicked around so many ideas. And it, you know, once I was, you know, fill in the blank, like it's a fun party game. Ever, anyone can do it. <laughs> I know, because I mean, I wonder what they could be. It could be like, you know, once I was pregnant, uh, once I was the mission president's wife, once I was a Sunday school president until the patriarchs told me to cut it out. Um, I'd just be fascinated to know where it can go from here, how we expand the universe. I like all of those ideas. I'd like to option them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm leaning on, you know, once I was a mission president's wife, it would be kind of like, like taking the, whole, the best two years and then like working it into this entire universe. That's a good idea, actually. That's a really good idea. <laughs> oh, well, shucks. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm doing what I can. That's awesome. Uh, the film will be, I believe, released everywhere on July 21st uh, with later releases in some of the Intermountain states. But there's also a big premiere on Monday the 19th. Um, I think there's just a couple of tickets left for their premiere on Monday, July 19th, if they, you check it out. But they're going quick. Um, but yeah, then it will. It, we will open it up with a big party. It's going to be really fun. I'm so excited. Um, I don't know if uh, Tanner's even there or not at this point or if he's just uh, auditing this interview. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm living the interview. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still behind. I'm taking copious notes. Love it, uh, Tanner. Do you happen to have any any parting words you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up here? Um, as for the audience, see our movie so make we can count. eventually make. Once I wasn't sick. Uh, once I was excommunicated. Once I was. Uh, Pregnant, all these different divorces are all, I think, fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, uh, it opens July 21st. Um, Come and watch it if you're where it's at. And I love you. And I to the do love. So everybody, you want to go check out the movie this week, Once I Was Engaged, the sequel to Once I Was a Beehive, once again, uh, premiering. This week on the 19th, but available at theaters across Wasatchia 
on the 21st. So seriously, check it out. And I really want to say I genuinely enjoy this. I actually like this um, more than the first one. Thank believe you. It or not. Oh, that's a good Yeah, I, it was just, it was a solid movie overall. I mean, I, I enjoyed it just on its own merits and seriously, even well out of the confines or with any of the quote unquote handicap or anything like that for Latter-day Saint cinema. Uh, I just thought once I was engaged was a thoroughly enjoyable film. So I hope everyone will give it a chance and check it out when it's in theaters. That's super nice to, to hear. Thank you for saying that. Cause we are just excited and just like, you know, nervous to share our baby with the world. So thank you. You know, give it the old twin bump. I'd like to thank my guests in the same order we greeted them earlier uh, for spending this time with us. Haley Smith. Haley, I'm so sorry you had to go. That was totally my bad once more. Thank you for all you've done for this week in Mormons. And it's very nice to have you on the show again. Uh, and we wish you well with this. Also, of course, Tanner Gilman, man. Thank you very much, Tanner, for being here. I know you kind of dropped off. You had some connection issues. But if you hear this, please, we thank you from the bottom of our humble hearts for everything you've done. You can check out Tanner, of course, on Studio C. And uh, I believe there's some uh, as he, as some Cinderella movie on IMDb that apparently is a thing. Yeah, and you yep. can watch that. And so that Lisa agrees. Yeah, absolutely. So, And the indomitable uh, Lisa Valentine Clark. Lisa, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you again. We hope the movie does well. And until we talk again, dear Twim family, I'm Jeff Openshaw. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Be well, be holy, and be happy. Bye-bye. <laughs>